This episode is brought to you by the Law Office of Joseph I. Marchant, focusing on real estate closings and probate matters with 20 years of experience. For service, contact Joey at 478-374-1505. The Riles Drug Store is a locally owned and operated independent pharmacy with pharmacists that live in the neighborhood, know patients by name, and are dedicated to keeping you, your family, and our community healthy. They offer fast, friendly service with competitive pricing and free delivery to the surrounding counties. Remember that Riles Drug Store also has... Riles Outfitters, conveniently located inside a boutique that offers home decor, gifts, and clothing for men, women, and children. Shop local and make our community a better place to live. Call today at 229-868-6735 or stop by at 12 South 2nd Avenue, McCray, Helena. The Merchants and Citizens Bank is a proud sponsor of Throwing Around. They've been a vital part of this community since 1929. They offer traditional products and services people have come to expect. In addition, they offer internet banking, which includes mobile banking, mobile deposit, ATM banking, telephone banking. For all of your banking needs, call them at 229-868-5656, or you can choose to visit them on the web at www.merchantsandcitizensbank.com. Now that it's tax season, go visit Milton CPA Services, LLC, your locally owned full-service accounting, auditing, and tax preparation professionals. Visit them for all of your tax, bookkeeping and taxation needs to help keep you, your family, or business running smoothly. For expertise and peace of mind, you can call on them. Located in the old Security State Bank building in McCray, Helena, call them at 229-868-5614 or visit them on the web at www.miltoncpaservices.com. Vineyard Doodles. If you're looking for a new member to add to your family, you can visit them on Facebook, Instagram, or on their website at www.vineyarddoodles.com. Turkey Creek Outfitters has an upcoming pheasant shoot on February 24th from 8.30 to noon. Only a few spots are left. You can check with Kyle. at If you can call or text him at 478-697-3428 or look for any additional information on social media on their Facebook page and Instagram page. And also thanks to Jason's Fast Lube located on 200 Avenue, McCray, Helena, Georgia with all your safety, luxury, and adventure and staying on budget, all your needs, go see him for all of your car, truck, or ATV needs. You'll get new tires, new electrical system checks, batteries. You can make an appointment by calling 229-868-5344 or head on over to Jason's Fast Loop today. Security State Bank, for all of your banking needs, you can also go see them at 45 West Oak Street, McCray, Helena, Georgia, or call at 229-868-6431. So now what's going on everybody? We're back again with another episode. We're basically on game week now, now that time has passed us by so fast. So for those who recall my episode with Carly back previewing the 2023 college softball season, we got a lot to talk about. But we're gonna do we're gonna do the same format but with a different guest. So let's welcome back in Logan Blizzard for her second appearance here on the show. So what's going on, Logan? Nothing much. Good to see you again. It's good to see you again. I know this is your uh, second go around, so you uh, you should have gotten all the nerves out by now. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. But hey, uh, the the good thing is is that we're we're here breaking down some very very familiar topics, and I think we'll have some fun with it. So first, I want to say this: uh, we'll, we'll we'll cover mostly the heavy hitters, but since we're here in Cochrane, let's take a moment to look at what we can come to expect or hope to see come first pitch on February 9th. 
after sitting down with Carmen during the fall, everything was going well and all signs were pointing toward another great season. Is there anything new since you've been added on here to the staff that you might could add? I mean, what are your impressions that you've seen so far? Um, I've seen really good things, um, especially with like a big chunk of like infield getting taken out of last year, but they've gotten some new girls in and I really think that they'll be able to win conference again and go back to um, on the road for the World Series. So I really think it's going good and I've seen really great things, great attitudes, great play, like great players all around. Awesome, that's great to hear. After after playing here just last season, you pretty well mentioned, uh, you've returned here as an assistant coach. So how are you feeling about getting this job? And basically, if we're being honest, did you ever really leave? <laughs> no. Not really? <laughs> um, I am very grateful to be yeah. able to get in this job. Um, I talked to Coach Winthy about it after I got done playing, but... Um, I waited out, waited out, and um, me and Lauren are getting to coach together for the rest of the spring, so it's definitely going to be um, very fun. And it gets, it allows me to be able to, you know, coach at the next level because I've been coaching, you know, middle school, travel ball, so this is something that I was really looking forward to, to, like, extend my not just softball career, but coaching, getting that started and being able to, you know, push girls, even though I may have played with them, still push them to be the best that they can be. So that's really, those things are what I'm looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing too. I mean, whenever you've got a new a new coach coming in, no matter how familiar, especially when you were a teammate with most of these, I mean, plus or minus the freshman class and anybody that might have transferred in, I mean, you got to think, I mean, go ahead and buying in and actually you got to think the relationship from teammate to coach has got to be a, a smooth one, you would hope. Yes, and yeah. I am very grateful that yeah. a lot of us, they respected me and Lauren coming in being coaches, and they weren't anything towards it. They were actually all pretty happy that we were coming back and we were going to be able to be their assistants, so that was a very good thing. Awesome, awesome. So I can recall in our last interview well it was actually a joint interview with uh, you and Lauren both uh, you talked about that you were actually going to be fur furthering your education so are are you still in school here no I'm yeah. actually not in school at middle right now okay. um, I am looking to go to nursing school um, but that's if <laughs> I get accepted so right. um, it's just at, at this point just mm -hmm. uh, I'm just living life I'm just you. taking it day by day. Taking it day by day, you gotta uh, just gotta relax and go with the flow right now. Yes. So, this is kind of a piggyback question here. Does it feel a little odd to be coaching these girls? Uh, I mean, we talked about the transition from player to coaches. I mean, but does it kind of to you? We'll we'll turn it around in the opposite direction. <laughs> to you, does it feel odd to be back here and now be coaching some uh, some of the girls that you spent two or th two or three years with? Um, honestly, no, it's not mm -hmm. that odd to me, um, mm -hmm. because, I mean, when we were still playing, a lot of them would ask me, like, Logan, how do I fix this, or Logan, can you help me do this, so now it's just a different role of, um, on the staff, and, I mean, they still ask me the same questions, uh, 
I had one of them ask me a few days ago, hey, can you come help me at first base? And that was just a thing that they used to ask me even whenever I was here, and they used to ask Lauren too. So it's not really odd. It's um, I feel like it's kind of better for them to understand that me and Lauren are their coaches and like that that we used to play so like you know they already have a feel for us they don't you don't have those players going around being like oh I wonder if she likes me oh I wonder if mm-hmm. she doesn't oh like all this kind of stuff that you know myself included when we would always get new coaches it was like oh I can't I don't really have a feel for it yet or what is she gonna do this time so I don't really think it's odd um I think it's it'll be okay it's pretty fun well from what you know I've heard and they, a few of them talked to me and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, we're so glad that you're back. Like, it's just a cool thing. Okay. I, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And, and that's actually a cool thing to, uh, to say. You brought up that, uh, you brought up a good point about the familiarity. I mean, already knowing, all right, I've been around this person. I, I know that they like me. I, I somewhat know how they tick so, yes. uh, so-called personally I, I, I already know how to get along with this person when it's somebody completely new coming in here it throws your whole it, it throws it basically turns the boat over and you got to start from scratch of trying yes. of trying to get on this person's good side and stay on that good side you know oh yeah so are, are there any specifics to your role here and I, what I mean by specifics is I know some coaches what like will focus one or more on one area of the game, like offense to defense, to, uh, per se. Is there something that you are, I honestly don't want to say specializing in right now, but is there is there an area that you are honing in more and working with the girls in? Um, no, not specifically. Um, me and Lauren are really just here to help Coach Wimpy and, uh, you know, whatever she asks us to do, and it could be, you know, go help them with hitting or go help them with building, and it's just a whole big majority of things, if whatever mm-hmm. we need to do. Because I guess we're just so well-rounded. <laughs> I got you. Oh, I got you. I got you. So there are there are some names missing from this roster it's ever since I've uh, ever since I've left from here. I know. I mean, it's actually been a little while since I sat down with either one uh, a coach or a player. From here, but I've been I've I'm still pretty familiar with the roster, plus or minus the freshmen and all. I know y'all had some. There have been some people to step away for academic reasons. Some I know some might have just transferred to another school to further their education. And I know we did have one medical retirement. I know I think uh, Michaela Swanson did step away. I know because I know uh, when I was talking to Carmen in the fall, I know she's also roommates with her. I will so that's the only reason I knew about Michaela. So, I mean, other than the freshmen, is the, is the roster still pretty much the same that we've seen? Literally exactly the same, except for mm-hmm. me, Lauren, mm-hmm. um, Emma, Addison, um, Brooke, and who else was there? Seniors. Caroline Jennings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there was... I think that was it, but that's that's all that we've lost, and our outfield is the same except for one Emma, mm-hmm. and infield is the same except for me, Lauren, and Addison. So gotcha, gotcha. So I know, and and that actually brings up my next point is I mean there are some big holes to fill, but that doesn't that 
but that doesn't go without saying that there are people who were on the bench last year that are very well capable of filling those holes. I know uh, you and Georgia both basically platooned at first base last year. I know most of your career you mentioned you were a shortstop, got moved over to first base, seemed to really take to that position well. I mean, uh, just going by what you told me in, the fr in our first interview. But then again, you think about Lauren too. I mean, she left a huge hole behind the dish there, I know. Because, I mean, Lauren was just an absolute brick wall. If For anybody that watched a handful of middle Georgia softball notes that, I mean, you honestly couldn't have gotten any better defensively for her. I mean, and I'm sure Lauren will tell you this, too. And I've noticed that, I mean, her defense uh, superseded her bat, of course. But that doesn't, but she also had some very clutch times offensively as well. You know, Emma out in the outfield, center fielder who could really cover some ground. Yeah. I mean, you had Addison that loved playing at the shortstop position. I mean, just that whole entire senior class left some big holes to fill, but I know so right now, I mean, does, there may be still some decisions to be made. I don't know. That's up to up to you guys, and if you don't want to divulge that, you don't have to. But I know that this bench was perfectly capable last year, and I'm sure some uh, people like, I know Carmen Phillips, I know she had some infield time as well, I think. you've uh, Also bringing back Christina Zeppa, a uh, – Infielder as well. So what's it? What's this lineup looking like right now? What do you think may come day one? <laughs> um, well, nothing's really set in stone yet, but right. I do think that um, we have a new freshman that's coming in, and she will be a huge, um, a very good player for us to use. Um, and Carmen has been doing really good in the infield, and Christina looks very, very good in the infield. And Sarah has actually moved over to first, so her right. and Georgia are flip-flopping a little bit, and okay. they both look good. And Summer likes them. They just, you know, they always surprise you. And also speaking of, uh, speaking of behind the dish as well, I know I uh, noticed that uh, Gabby beforehand had had put in some time, at least in practice, yes. at, at least in practice <laughs> I've noticed behind the dish last season but now she seems to be going full blast with it now yep gabby is full blast catching even though you know she might be at short but she's actually doing a really good job behind the plate and our other catcher Liv, is doing um good too and they can kind of help each other you know back and forth and i think that helps um both of them a lot but yeah they look really good and some people are in like different positions, but they're all doing very well, and I'm excited to see what the final outcome will come Friday. Oh, absolutely! That's our first game. Absolutely, so am I. And 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 that goes to uh, that goes to show that I've I've mentioned this in multiple interviews across the sports that I've covered is that you cannot underestimate the advantage of a utility player. And I've noticed throughout the time that I've been here at Middle Georgia, in school and also out of school. I mean, there, there's been plenty of utility plays, and they've shown that they can be in any spot that they need to be at any time. Oh, yeah. I was joking with Coach Wimpy the other day. I was like, well, I started at short, went to second, went to first, and then finally when <laughs> I can't really say what I wanted to say, but <laughs> when um, I, we needed help, Mm -hmm. Oh, you just see Logan get moved back to second, and then I went back to first, and I was like, that's what a utility player does. But I enjoyed it. I like, you know, playing different positions because, you know, you never know what you're going to – what type of different play you're going to get to make. 
So it was always fun. Yeah, absolutely, and it goes to I know I've talked with some of my buddies about this before. You look at it, you look at it from like a major league baseball standpoint. Utility players won't get filthy rich with their contracts that they have on a, on a professional baseball team. But the thing is, they'll always be getting paid because they always have a job, and they're going to be somewhere in that lineup. Yep, somewhere. So now one f- final point before we jump over to like covering the big heavy hitters in Division One. Uh, when moving out of the SSAC after the 24 season, I know that's already been announced. Of course, uh, the head man himself, President Blake, put out a video about it as well. The move to the Peach Belt Conference inside of NCAA's Division Two has been made official. And as we close out this part of the episode, let's have some predictions from yourself about Final, the final year go round in NAIA. Um, I honestly think we'll come out with another bang. Um, I really do. I think you know Mobile and Carey's gonna be up there with us. Um, they always have a good program. They have good coaches. Um, we had a few teams coming to our conference um, over the summer. Actually, Thomas coming to our conference. Um, Talladega left our conference. Tennessee, Tennessee, I don't really know the other name. Um, in and another team, um, I'm really not familiar with at all, and I don't think they have a softball team. I think it's just really for baseball. Uh-huh. Um, so it's actually, we have a big conference. Um, I was told that first and second place gets automatic bids this year because we do have so many teams so that will be you know a good thing for everybody because everybody wants to get a bid to go somewhere but I think we'll have another good shot at it this year with the team that we have if we can you know stay strong stay healthy work hard and want it oh absolutely I agree and you know with uh, the advantage of having now two automatic bids you would think that you would hope in in the minds of the players too. I mean, that's it's happened before, so you be, uh, it's it's best to really hope and pray that it doesn't. Is that now having two automatic bids? I mean, complacency really should not set in. I mean, it it very well can, but it should not set in by knowing that okay, we don't have to win the conference, but the with the overall goal still needs okay, go in there yeah. and do just like you did last year, because y'all. I mean, from where I followed it, y'all steamrolled through the tournament last year. Yeah, it was very yeah. different from the year before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to yeah. you. I mean, because whenever I, I honestly kept following it, and I was like, dang, every time I saw the scores, like, boom, boom, boom. And then coming in, beating the number one seed very, uh, very handily. I mean, it, it was just, yeah, run, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying, very that handily. Was, and it was very surprising. Yeah. I don't know about everybody else, but it was very surprising to me. And I, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, we just run rules mobile because mm. they're always a good competitor. But, yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah, for sure. I want to thank the sponsors one more time before we jump into the big section here. Uh, Jason's Fast Lube, big thanks to them. Call them at 229-868-5344 or visit them at 200 Avenue, McCray, Helena, Georgia. Turkey Creek Outfitters, remember the pheasant shoot coming up on 20. 20- February 24th, 8.30 to noon. Check to see if the spots are available on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or you can call or text at 478-697-3428. Bend your doodles. Big thanks to them. You check on the uh, available litters. Milton CPA Services, LLC, Merchants and Citizens Bank, Riles Drugstore, and the Law Office of Joseph I. Marchant. 
now the big section here and now the preliminary top 25 for the uh for the I guess you want to say blue bloods the the ones that are going to make an impact the big question in this episode and I even asked it with the Carly too and we tackled it throughout the whole episode can anybody dethrone the queens yeah I don't know I mean you got yeah. Oklahoma but I don't know. I feel like Florida State's gonna bring a big bang this year. So. Oh yeah, I mean you gotta I think, think. You gotta think. I mean Florida State's one of those preliminary of uh, the the ones that you really gotta watch out for every year. We'll jump into it in detail in just a second. Uh, just w- quick run through. We'll go through the uh, top twenty-five going in order. Oklahoma, Tennessee, Stanford, Florida State, Texas, Georgia coming in at sixth. Clemson, UCLA, Duke, Washington, Oklahoma State. Arkansas, Oregon, Alabama, LSU, Utah, Nebraska, Florida, Baylor, Auburn, Louisiana, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, and West Virginia. So, any surprises that you've seen in this initial ranking, or do you, or do you see everybody you thought you would see? Uh, honestly, I'm kind of surprised about Georgia being six, but I do know that they had a good year last year. Um, UCLA is kind of a little bit lower than what I'm used, you know. I would think they're a little bit Stanford. I mean, they're the team that's just going to, you know, sleep, 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 and then bam, and then look at them. They're number third this year. Um, definitely the lower, the lower in the 25s is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you got South Carolina, Baylor, Florida's 18. I would think that, you know, they would be ranked higher. But, yeah, it's kind of um, – Kind of surprising. There's actually, and I actually kind of see the justification for the rank, the ranking of 18th for Florida when we get down to breaking them down in details, some of the things that they got coming back, some of the things they don't have coming back, so I can understand them falling out. I mean, as an avid Bulldog fan here, I, I too am kind of surprised for having such a high ranking. I know every year they eventually, uh, they eventually work their way up to a top eight seed, mm-hmm. get, getting that hosting bid. But also, it's within the top 15 in the, in the very first ranking. They're within that top 15 every year. I didn't expect it to be inside the top 10 come pre-week one. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I'm with you. Yeah. So now we're going to go uh, via fan buzz. I'll give credit where credit's due. Uh, the five must-watch players according to fan buzz, and we'll break them down very, uh, very quickly. We're going from five to one. Number five coming in at, at Nigeri Kennedy, the... Phenom freshman last year for, from Stanford who absolutely gave Oklahoma a fit. Yeah, she dominates yeah. in the circle. Mm-hmm. She is. Um, mm-hmm. I did watch Stanford last year for that reason, and that reason only was because of her in the pitching circle. When she was pitching, she's really a interesting player to watch, and she's got a good story behind her. Oh, absolutely, too. I don't know, Patty Gasso, I mean, she was uh, getting high praise from Patty Gasso is something to, to not look over. And she even said in a press conference uh, while they were out there in Oklahoma City, she said, Nigeria Kennedy is somebody that I want to face the least amount of times that I absolutely have to. I think I remember her saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nigeria Kennedy is the youngest player on this list, but she's all, she also might have the highest ceiling. Stanford's star Sophomore pitcher will enter this year with a uh, winter 2024 after a fantastic freshman campaign going 17 and 3, 
pitching 135 innings with a 0.57 ERA, striking out 218 hitters, and a 4.9 WWAA, which stands for Weighted Wins Above Replacements, for those that don't know who that is, and I had to look it up myself, which means that Stanford won 4.9 more games with Kennedy on their roster last year than they would have without her. Crazily enough, Kennedy was, wasn't Stanford's ace last year. That title belonged to Elena Valder, who ended up transferring to South Carolina, which is one reason I think they got bumped up into the top 25 pre-week one. Kennedy must step into Valder's role for this year, and if her freshman season is any indication, she seems more than ready. So, so you, after hearing those details, I mean, your overall opinion on what you might see Nigeria Kennedy do this year, is it more of the same? Do you think she basically exceeds what she did last year, or what? I think it'll be either the same or she will exceed what she did last year because, I mean, she put up some crazy numbers last year. Oh, for sure. So, but I definitely think, you know, I mean, she's a strong player and strong pitcher, so I definitely think she'll either be right there with what she did last year or above it. I think, you know, she'll probably be All-American this year. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, a very high, a very high, uh, high-end candidate for the Player of the Year award as well. We'll talk about that later too. Talk about the winner. Uh, number four, from Oklahoma, Tiara Jennings. Uh, this list wouldn't would not be complete without an Oklahoma Sooner. Uh, Tiara Jennings is is featured on this list because she is one of, if not the best, overall hitters in the sport. Jennings, who will be a senior this year, had a bit of a down year in 2023, at least by her massive standards. Last season she hit 415. Golly and gee, that was a down if that if that was a down year, let me have it. Yeah, yeah. I know. But 415, 17 home runs, 66 RBIs, three a 3.4 weighted wins above replacement, and she helped Oklahoma very oh actually they had to work a little harder for it last year, but they uh secured their third straight national championship. In 2021, she started her college career by hitting 462 with 27 home runs, 92 RBIs, uh, while Jennings is still producing at an elite rate. Uh, her best season might still be ahead of her. Uh, one imagines that if she can repli- replicate or improve upon 2021's numbers, uh, she might very well might be the finalist, if not the winner, for the USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year. Yeah, she goes crazy. Uh, absolutely. I know you. if you got... And we'll go into uh, we'll go into detail about her about her defensive job as well later on when we break down Oklahoma as a whole. But I think uh, she'll really have to step up because they they do have a loss on the uh, other half of the middle infield. So that's going to be something that Patty Gasser is going to have to make up for. Mm-hmm. You are right. Coming in at number three, Maya Brady, who might who in my opinion might just be the most athletic Brady in the family. <laughs> yeah. Maya Brady, who, of course, if you don't know who it is, that's Tom Brady's niece, was college softball's biggest breakout star last year. Brady, who enters 2024 as a redshirt senior, hit 448 and 18 home runs last year with 59 RBIs. All of this earned her a USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year, top three finalist spot, the NFCA First Team All-American Honors, and the Pac-12 Player of the Year. All eyes will be on Brady this year to see whether she can replicate that incredible campaign. If she does, and if UCLA, who was the last team to win a national championship before Oklahoma's dynasty began, makes another deep run into the Women's College World Series, uh, Maya Brady might go for the college 
softball player of the year might go from finalist to winning the college softball player of the year award outright. Either way, Meyer has proven that Uncle Tom isn't the only world-class athlete in the Brady family. Your overall opinion on Maya Brady? Yes, you know, she's a she's a great player. She's a great athlete. I didn't really get to watch her a lot last year just because I'm not a UCLA fan. I, I liked them when they mm-hmm. had um, a girl that used to pitch there, and I liked her. And, again, that was the only reason why I watched UCLA. I'm just not that big of a fan. Right. But, you know, I have heard about her, saw her on, you know, ESPN, this and that. And so, you know, she's going to do good. She's going to be another All-American, another girl to, you know, really watch for. Um, And she'll probably exceed what she did this year, if I had to say. Oh, absolutely. I honestly think that she'll basically pick up where she left off. I mean, she's too good not to not to pick up where she left off. And, of course, I'm not the biggest UCLA fan either, but also the reason I kind of – came to like UCLA and Maya Brady in particular is because they were the ones, as I mentioned, that really consistently gave Oklahoma a fit. I mean, and you and you like to see the ones who are consistently winning have a challenge. And, you know, UCLA yeah. was that year after year. It's, I think, I'm pretty sure UCLA was one of the, one of the hardest title series that Oklahoma had to go through. I know, uh, her, then her name slips my mind, but UCLA is also known for uh, pitching greatness as well, just as you mentioned. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but she's mm-hmm. like six foot five. She's mm-hmm. she's a really great, really great pitcher. Is it Megan Ferrema? That name. I think that's one of them. That's one of them. I think that'll come up later in the in the show. And coming in at number two, Kiki Malloy from Tennessee. And also, uh, another reason that while UCLA, we don't talk about them a whole lot is because they are, of course, on the West Coast. Most of their games are either going to be late at night or early in the morning, depending on where they are. Yeah. And the only time that you're really going to ever see UCLA over here on the West Coast is if they've traveled to the East Coast. I mean, traveled to the East Coast to play somebody over here. Right. Coming in at second place, Kiki Malloy. Uh, when it comes to excitement, Kiki Malloy is no, is nothing short of such. Uh, Tennessee's redshirt senior this year led Division One with 25 home runs, a Lady Vols single-season record. She had 5.2 weighted wins above replacement and was also highest out of any non-pitch. Then that was highest out of any non-pitcher in Division One last year. Uh, while it will be difficult for Kiki Malloy to top what she did last year, she has improved. Uh, she has improved her home run tally every season thus far, and if she surpasses those 25 home runs from a season before, especially if she breaks the 30 home run barrier, there's no way she'd be denied the 2024 Softball College uh, softball Collegiate Player of the Year Award. But many fans believe her not winning this award last season was a huge snub. I, for one, would probably beg to differ. The last player on this list Oh, as soon as I get your opinion on this, we'll talk about Kiki Malloy, and then we'll talk about the actual winner from last season. Yeah, you know, I have watched her play at Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's another team that's, like, in the dark, in the dark, and then they're going to come out. They're just a team that's going to be a team to beat this year, and Tennessee is one of, like, one of my favorite teams to watch just because they have a lot of grit on their team, and really good coaching staff and their pitchers are phenomenal. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I know and that they do they do lose one 
pitcher in particular that we'll talk about, Ashley Rogers, I believe she was a workhorse for them last year. They'll have to make up for that, but I think they've yeah. got. But I think they've got the depth. I do too. Now speaking of the winner of that of the USA Collegiate Player of the Year award, Miss Valerie Cagle from Clemson, uh, the 2023 USA Collegiate Player of the Year, and when she won that, that put her as the first one in program history and the fifth two-way Player of the Year recipient. Cagle had a truly historic season, both on the mound, well, technically on the rubber. They don't have a mound here. <laughs> uh, technically on the rubber. And at the plate, Cagle hit 469 with 19 home runs, 57 RBIs, while also pitching 193 innings and producing a 25-8 and record and a 1.56 ERA and tallying 188 strikeouts. All of these earned her a 10.3 weighted wins above replacement, making Clemson win 10 more games than they would have without Miss Cagle. That's the definition of an impact player, which is exactly why I think she deserved the award over Kiki Malloy. It was a it was a tight race, but I think the way she was able to produce on both sides of her resume, per se, I think that's why she ended up deserving it more. Yeah, I agree. Valerie Cagle is a absolute beast in the circle and at the plate. I mean, you're not going to find a better two way player than her, in my honest opinion. But she is really, really good. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I'm really excited to see what she can do this year. And I think that they've got as good a chance as any to make a push at uh, a trip to OKC. I do too. Yeah. Once again, thanks. I want to get this in as much as possible. Thanks to the Riles Drugstore Law Office of Joseph I. Marchant, the Merchants and Citizens Bank, Milton CPA Services, LLC, Vineyard Doodles, Turkey Creek Outfitters, Jason's Fast Lube and Security State Bank. So now we'll go team by team real quickly, so we don't, so we're not here all night. We'll talk about Oklahoma now. As I said, with uh, Tiari Jennings, she'll be one of the headliners in this lineup here. Uh, they finished the last uh, finished last season with a 61 and one record. Of all people, I mean, I would have thought it would be one of the these fellow heavy hitters to do so, but of all people, they lost to Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. That was- they were the, yeah, they were the only ones to land a punch, but thankfully, in their case, it was during conference play, or about halfway through the season, really, and it really didn't seem, and it didn't seem to affect their groove as much. Yeah, I agree. One huge storyline within the softball world is that happened after clinching their third consecutive title was the transfer of phenom pitcher Jordy Ball away from after just two years with the Sooners, transferring to. Nebraska. Yeah, it's still yeah. a crazy thing to me. Yeah, which makes me think was the acquisition of Jordy Ball one of the things that got them into the top 25. Yeah, I do think that she helped the Sooners, you know, get to where they were. I have, <laughs> I enjoy watching her pitch and I enjoy watching her play. I mean, you know, she's a I don't know what you call that type of player, but she's going to do good at Nebraska. She gets to be close to her home. She, you know, she gets to do whatever she wants, and I don't think she's all about the fame like a lot of the, of the other softball players are. But, you know. I don't think so. I think, I think that was a big, you know, shot to the to her. That's going to hurt them a little bit. Oh, I think so, too. But it, Oklahoma, to me, is a lot like Alabama football has been for a while. Instead of – it's instead of like 
it's more like of a it's more like a reload instead of like look for a replacement. It's just shoot somebody else into that spot and just pick up where you left right. off. And that and for the and for the convenient fan who who are not uh, for the fans that aren't Oklahoma fans that can get kind of aggravating, you know. Oh, very aggravating. Very. <laughs> but still, Oklahoma does have Nicole May who pitched last year and and a lot of relief appearances. She finished last year with a sub one ERA. We'll also put more on Kirsten Deal's plate to show up well after she uh show show up after she had some very good uh, relief appearances as well. That we say and we say in relief is basically few and far between. Whenever Jordy Ball just wasn't herself, even without Ball, the Sooners aren't going away. Oklahoma still brings back some talent. Uh, every major contributor returns. For the race for four, aside from Ball, Alex Starocco, Haley Lee, and Grace Lyons, uh, Kirsten Deal will likely, uh, her role is going to likely increase and become the second arm behind Nicole May. Expect the Sooners to add another big time pitcher, which at the bottom of these notes, they actually did so. It was actually a day or so after I made these notes, they added Kelly Maxwell. Yeah. From Oklahoma State. Uh-huh. When I noticed that, I was like, oh, my Lord. Yeah, she did transfer in yeah. at the break, and I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah, I honestly couldn't believe it. Uh, And I was, especially when you have, like, those inter-rival transfers, mm-hmm. it, it, it really kind of throws, it, it really kind of, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shot to the chest. It will definitely be an interesting yeah. game this year. I know the lineup will be asked to do much better. I know from their number one scoring lineup, the Sooners return every everyone but Grace Lyons, Haley Lee, and Jocelyn Erickson in the batting order. Jada Coleman and Tiare Jennings, as we've mentioned before, leads the way for a squad hoping to win four in a row, something that will be, once again, NCAA history. See, Coach Gasso won't be headed into this season without having made one or two notable moves in the portal. Kelly Max was probably the biggest one so far. She'll probably make, or she may have already made a few more and just not announced it. But we'll uh, come the end of this week. We'll see just how how well Patty Gasso has reloaded this lineup. Oh yeah. Now for Florida State, as you mentioned, you think that they're going to be the ones to really watch. Now, as they are every year, Coach Lonnie Alameda has uh, is a terrific coach. You couldn't ask for a better one. I know Team Forty One. That's probably one of the longest running softball programs that I've ever heard of. Mm, yeah. The Seminoles opened up their season in the Joanne Graff Classic against Charlotte. FSU softball uh, hit every team goal in 2023 except winning the national title. It was a team that could beat you in a variety of ways, power, speed, and had several arms they could use throughout the season to save their best pitchers for the uh, for the postseason. Defensively, the, the girls took a step back from the prior year, losing the Hoover vacuum they had at third base, Miss uh, Sydney Sherrill. Uh, they played a gauntlet of a schedule and prepared and that prepared them for the postseason, but there are some questions going in to 2024. The great thing here is that they see the return of seven top offensive players from last year's roster. That'll be Kaylee Mudge, Kaylee Harding, Devin Flaherty, Haley Wachaser, Janie Kerr, Katie Deck, and Michaela Edenfield. These offensive figures are going to be the strong suit of this roster, but the transfer portal is well is where FSU will need to go if they plan to stay at that elite level. They need more pitching, and uh, they need more pitching experience and offensive power. We'll talk about the pitching now. 
The loss of Catherine Sandercock on the mound will be irreplaceable, and Lonnie Alameda commented on how young they'll be inside the circle this year. Mac Leonard also was an amazing find in the transfer portal, and she she gave FSU fans many things to cheer over uh, for the past two seasons. As far as filling the ace role left vacant, the baton seems to have been passed on to McKenna Reed. So what exactly are you looking forward to seeing the most out of Florida State this year, the uh, emergence of a new star to take to fill the shoes of Catherine Sandercock, or you think somebody somebody else other than the returning heavy hitters in the uh inside this batting lineup? Um I'm kinda interested to see what um her name just left my mind, how she'll pitch this year. She is black care. She last year was her first year here. Um I'm very interested to see how Edenfield does. Mm-hmm. Um, Mudge is I always enjoy watching her play she just plays with a lot of passion and, you know I like Miss um, the third baseman Sydney mm-hmm. she was I mean I still watch her some whenever they play on online whenever they're playing with the oh, what's that team called the Spark ain't it? yes something yeah. Oklahoma, I, is Oklahoma City Spark? Yes, yeah. I watch them sometimes whenever yeah. they're playing. But I definitely think that Edenfield will – they're going to expect a lot of her this year and a pitching staff. I wouldn't just say one. I would say all of them. Oh, for sure. No, no doubt. I know. I'm, I'm thinking that being that all the signs point to McKenna Reed, hopefully filling that And I think spot. that might be her name. I just okay. can't remember. Okay, I got you. And uh, one thing I will say, too, and I forgot to mention about Oklahoma, too, Michaela Edenfield, of course, is Florida State's catcher. Kenzie Hansen also being the catcher for Oklahoma. Those are t- some freakishly strong girls. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they are, I mean, they are some big girls with some big-time power. You got that right. So those two are, are two girls that I really will be watching on, uh, a lot this year. Oh, yeah. They come in having signed the number three uh, signing class of last year. Uh, let's see, there's help on the way that will help them fill some of those needs. I won't pretend to tell you. Uh, I don't. I, I know everything about these young women since I don't follow softball recruiting that closely. Uh, however, from looking at these stats, a few things should catch your eye. Uh, a potential remedy to the firepower issue coming to Tallahassee with the addition of Jasoni Beecham, Ashton Danley, and Kennedy Harp. All three had double-digit home runs as seniors in high school. Danley will be a two-way player and expect and expects to have a similar impact that McKenna Reed had as a freshman. The wild factor here about Danley is that Coach Alameda says that she might be the highest-ranked recruit that they've ever signed. Wow. So, high hopes for her. Oh, very much. Much like Oklahoma, the Lady Knowles lost a big part of their middle infield. The loss of Josie Muffley at shortstop will be nearly impossible to replace, but newcomer uh, Issa Torres could eventually fill that role as a former All-Central Texas Defensive Player of the Year at shortstop. With the return of several upperclassmen with experience, it should, it should allow these freshmen to find roles without having to feel the pressure of having to produce early in the season. However, don't be surprised if you see two or three fine prominent roles this upcoming season, especially if the portal doesn't produce the caliber of players that Coach Alameda wants. 
2024 shouldn't really really shouldn't be any different from Florida State. So I, I I've got high hopes for him, and I think, I mean, Coach Alameda, she's she's too good of a coach not to find a solution quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she'll definitely figure it out. Yeah. Looking at UCLA very quickly, we'll run through that. Being we don't know much about them, you got Kelly Perez and Lisa Fernandez. I mean. Big time coaching duo. They've always got the team ready. I know they've uh, stars like Maya Brady, who entered her final season in Westwood, returns hungrier while welcoming upcomer, uh, newcomers into the Bruins bubble. As always, UCLA has high expectations as they enter their final season in the Pac-12, which is football-wise no longer a conference, but still, we still have a Pac-12 in softball. Right. But the one big thing we'll talk about real quickly and then we'll move on to some uh, finer points is losing in their own regional last year, which was the, probably the first big shock of the softball season last year, losing to Liberty and who else? Well, and Grand Canyon University. I mean, I'd say talk about the smaller people packing a punch. Yeah, and I will say a lot of people sleep on you know, Grand Canyon, Liberty, but I will say mm-hmm. Liberty will give you a run for your money every single time they play. I had a chance to have some friends that played on Liberty and, you know, watching them and the player that they went that they went from to went to with Dot, it was just, you know, it's crazy what an actual good coach can do for you while playing with them. But, yeah, it was – when I saw them beat UCLA, I was like, dang. So that's crazy. Oh, absolutely. And you think about you talk about good coaches as well. Uh, you mentioned really, really liking to watch Sidney Sherrill also coaching out at Grand Canyon now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that, that's, a big, that's a big person to really learn from uh, as an infielder, especially if she works more, if she works particularly with the third baseman. Yeah, I mean, that right there would be an awesome person to learn from to man the hot corner. I'm sure she goes to every position, but especially if you play in third for Grand Canyon, you've got somebody to really listen to. Oh, yeah. Let's see. The pitching staff, it looks, it took, it took a, certainly has a different look at UCLA for their staff. I mean, there's uh, no proven All American like these have been over the past half bit. There's no proven All-Americans here like there have been in the past uh, half decade or so with Faramo, Brooke Ganez, and Rachel Garcia. However, there's no disputing the talent of, let's see, what's, where's her name here? Caitlin Terry. You look at Caitlin Terry as well. That's somebody that you really need to keep an eye on as well. Tamsley and Cecil, you can go look on the roster as well. I got their last names here to really just keep it flowing. The offense this year is going to be as good as Maya Brady. Entering her final year, the superstar has gotten better, and she'll definitely be the lead. The offense will need to carry more of the load to open up the season as the pitching staff finds this, uh, finds its groove, and they'll certainly be tested. The Bruins play Texas, Oklahoma State, Florida State, Georgia, Tennessee, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Baylor all in February. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'll be a good little month to watch them play. Yeah. But, of course, uh, like the coaching staff says out there, that's the UCLA standard. That is right. That is the UCLA standard. Now we'll touch on Tennessee. Now we're getting over here back on the East Coast where we know what what we're talking about. 
They secured the top spot in the preseason poll this year. The Lady Vols will enter the year with the highest national preseason rank in a decade. They checked in at number two on Softball America's preseason poll. It's their highest since the poll came out. Uh, it's, it's, their high, it's their highest since topping the poll in 2014. Excuse me. The Big Orange will return 17 players from last season's squad. They do have some. Uh, they do lose Mackenzie Donahue to medical retirement. Last year also saw Tennessee Eclipse 50 wins for the first time since 2013. Seven of the nine starters from a batting lineup that was the best in the SEC and third in the nation are back, headlined by consensus first-team All-American Kiki Malloy. Other notable returning starters include 2023 All-SEC first-team selection Zeta Puni, NFCA second-team All-American McKenna Gibson, and experienced seniors like uh, hold on to your hats as I try to pronounce this last name. Gila Kutsuanopoulos. You did better than me. I was going to say I, but, I probably butchered it, but anyway, I'm pretty sure she's the catcher. I'd have to check my facts, but I think she's the catcher. And Raleigh West. The pitching staff faces a challenge this year by having to replace Ashley Rogers, but the rotation will be anchored by graduate pitcher Peyton Gottschall, which is a blessing to really be the, uh, I guess you say, the headliner in that, in the rotation, but also look for sophomore Carla, uh, Carlin Pickens, who's coming off a SEC Freshman of the Year campaign. They'll be headed to Texas to open up with UT Arlington on the 8th before playing a three-game series against Baylor and then returning home to play Stetson. All in all, what do you think about the chances of Tennessee winning the SEC this year? I mean, but they've been the standard at least for the past two seasons. Win it at all, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they're there yet. Um, they, I don't think they have the players to take it all the way, but, you know, I could jinx them and they could prove me wrong. But I think they'll have a good run. Mm. I think they'll give a good fight um, playing against each other. Well, not each other, but other teams. So I think it'll really be... A good, a good year to watch Tennessee play. Absolutely, you know, if we if we speak about just the East at the moment, I would say front runners in the East by a long shot to yeah. me are Tennessee and Georgia. Georgia might be more equipped to win the East this year and uh, than some people think because of who they got back and who right. they and who they added on. So Tennessee losing Ashley Rogers, I mean, like she when when I mean workhorse, like she was a she was their workhorse last year. I mean, she would throw up, I mean, multiple games of triple digits, like high triple digits, and you and you'd see her the next day, like almost three three bags worth of ice on the arm, and then oh, and then by the end of the week she's out there triple digits again in the pitch count. And all in all, I think Georgia and Tennessee on the eastern side of the SEC, they're going to be the ones to really watch race. Uh, I have a race for. In the West, we'll talk about Alabama in just a minute. So I think Alabama's gonna be still one of the higher uh, higher seeds in the yeah, western in the western side. Also, don't count out Arkansas as well. Arkansas has has really come up in the past. I know at least three seasons. I know that I've spoken with. I know I've interviewed former Arkansas player Daniel Gibson. I mean, she was one big time player during their. Uh, two-year stretch of a regular season title and then the next year it was regular season and then a regular <laughs> season title and and also a tournament title as well so they basically bested from the year before 
our, that that coach out there, she's uh, she's basically taken that program and brought it upward. Also, let's not count out Beth Torino at LSU as well. One of the best uh, one of the best female coaches in the business. I know. Yeah, I think LSU will yeah. have a good run this year also. Let's see now. Other than that, uh, well, I'll, I'll, we'll touch on this as well too. McKenna Gibson also is one of the being we've already talked about Kiki Malloy enough. McKenna Gibson is also listed as one of the breakout players to watch on this Tennessee roster as well. She had a great sophomore campaign that led to National Fast Pitchers Coaches Association second team All American honors. Santa Clarita, California native, set career best in average with 362 run scoring 36 runs. Driving in 60 and hitting 15 home runs. Now with Clemson, now the my, I guess you could still, I guess they're still to me considered a dark horse because they are still they're in single digits of existence with right. the program. They're in they're entering their fifth year of existence. Some key departed players here are Caroline Jacobson, uh, Ali McLeish, and Reedy Davenport. They'll be opening up this year with 11 road games go starting off in the Clearwater Classic and then going to the NFCA leadoff classic to play Missouri State, Indiana Liberty, Oregon, and Missouri. And, of course, you can check the schedule for the rest of them. The Tigers are coming off their second consecutive super regional appearance and third postseason overall, uh, overall postseason appearance. It's only the fourth year in only four years of existence. At that at that time, Coach Rittman led the Tigers to a 49 and 12 overall record last year, and the Tigers have hosted a regional in each of the last two seasons. Tigers have been predicted to finish tied for second alongside Duke. Excuse the ding. But overall, I think they are they are my big time dark horse because of they were the ones that almost took Oklahoma to a game three right. last year. And I was I like I was on the edge of my seat last year watching that uh, Norman Super Regional. Yeah, that was that was a good regional. I mean, overall, I mean, uh, Valerie Cagle and Jordy Ball were pretty much the headliners of that. I mean, in that second game, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the second game went to extra innings. I mean, it it, it was a back and forth, heavy hitter, boxing bout, punch for punch. And I was really hoping that Clemson would have like clinched it and really unseated the Queens of softball yeah. before they even got there, kind of like how Liberty and Grand Canyon did with UCLA. Right, yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> oh, for sure. Beat somebody different. With Valerie Cagle and company, the Tigers have the firepower to claim hardware in the coming campaign. First, though, they have to make it through the gauntlet. That is the 2024 uh Puerto Vallarta College Challenge. The Tigers have posted the most wins in the fledgling program's history in 2023, which was 49, as I said a while ago. They fell short of claiming its second conference title in just three full seasons of existence. However, 18 and six, finish, uh, finishing 18 and six and third in the league, the team advanced, as we said, to play the Oklahoma Sooners in the Super Regionals, which was a, it was a buzz buzz saw of a series. By virtue of taking Oklahoma to extra innings in the second game of that Super Regional, however, the Tigers are very well set to have a dominant 2024, I, I, I truly believe. 
Aside from Valerie Cagle, notable returning players, you've got JoJo Hyatt coming back, playing uh, the ca- uh, catcher position. Uh, very impressive defensive catcher. I mean, more I'd say more impressive uh, behind the dish than with her bat, but she's no but she's no slasher with a bat either. By looking at her numbers, her three thirty three average in twenty twenty three shows that she focuses more uh, hitting on uh, hitting for average than power. Also, fielding percentage. Look at a nine ninety three fielding percentage, just seven mere points away from perfection. And also, cutting her allowed stolen bases count in half from fourteen to eight last season, oh, or wow. uh, cutting it nearly in half. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Notable newcomers. Be on the wa- uh, any Clemson fans that are listening. Be on the watch for Olivia Duncan, Julia Noller. That would be two big names to watch. Now, being that we are in the Peach State, now we'll, uh, we can break it down now. 2021 team that won just 34 road uh, games road late season momentum all the way to the Women's College World Series. Perhaps that's why the 2022 and 23 teams, which won 42 and 43 games, had such... I had such a disappointing end and didn't feel the magic that they had in 2021. Past two regular seasons certainly weren't unsuccessful. The Dogs made it to the tournament, uh, the NCAA tournament in 22 and advanced to the Super Regionals in 23, but still not stringing together a deeper run. Now coming in at number six, which is, as we both agreed to, was a surprise to us both. Uh, Tony Baldwin and staff returned several key pieces. You look at Jada Kearney, probably the biggest piece, but they did lose Pey- uh, Peyton Bordeaux to NC State, their catcher. But they've also got another one that have come, that has come in to show that she will be a va- very valuable replacement at, behind the dish. Who's 19 home? Uh, Jada Kearney, who's 19 home runs a season ago, ranked seventh in the nation. Not far behind was Georgia's. Uh, Sarah Mosley manning the hot corner, who was 17 homers, landed her at 18th on the list. Kearney, 7.99 on base percentage. Mosley, who had a 7.18, both finished. Oh, excuse me, that was her slugging percentage. They each finished, finished top 20 in total bases as well. Other hitting and defensive staples returning this season include seniors Ellie Armistead, Sydney Chambly, Alabama transfer Dallas Goodnight, and grads. Students Sydney Kuma and Jaden Fields, University of Georgia head coach Tony Baldwin also announced the addition of transfers Lily Bax, Rachel Gibson, and Sarah Gordon. Lily Bax, who was a very key pitcher for North Carolina, now now being in Athens. Gibson, a right-handed pitcher from Clemson, and Gordon, a catcher slash utility player. From Louisville, who will have uh, who will have three seasons of eligibility left, Bax and Gibson each have two. Indeed, there's plenty to look forward to in 2024. But the Bulldogs also boast two of the most seasoned pitchers in the NCAA, with Madison Kerpix and Shelby Walters. Overall, I think Georgia, as I mentioned before, I think Georgia with the with the people that they retained and the people they got in through the portal, I think they may have, in my own opinion. I'm trying to sound as unbiased as possible, but in my own opinion, I think they may, with what they've got this year, have surpassed Tennessee in terms of highest chance of winning. 
Right. Yeah. And, then, and then my half was just for that first week of games so we you know yeah. we can be like kind of put that all the games towards what we've been saying right kind of see if you know yeah. where we right or where we wrong exactly which is why doing shows like this is kind of hard to do because you're going off last year's performances mm-hmm. what the, what you've read about in what coming in the fall not unless you were to go watch them of course but yeah come that first week of games at least you'll finally see who oh if Lily Bax is really worth it, if Sarah Gordon is worth it, Rachel Gibson, who was a great pitcher aside from Valerie Cagle last year, who would, I mean, they were a dynamic duo on the rubber, so I think right. Rachel Gibson might have the biggest upside in this trio of transfers. Yeah, you're right. See, Georgia's campaign kicks off when the Dogs host the four-team Red and Black Showcase on the night, from the 9th through the 11th, with, they, with this year's participants being Murray State, Purdue, and South Dakota. We'll very quickly go through Florida real quick. I mean, they're not a, there's not a whole lot to talk about, but they do return. Well, the reason I'm saying that... The, uh, the only name we need to talk about from Florida is Skylar Wallace. Exactly. <laughs> and that, uh, talent. That's all. <laughs> star player Skylar Wallace does return for the Gators, but not a single person from the pitching staff returns. Right, yeah. Hightower's yeah. gone. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Not a single pitcher returns, and the pitching coach is even gone. They got a new pitching coach this year, so... So Tim, wow, uh, that's interesting. So Tim Walton and his entire pitcher's room is different, including LeCoach. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They finished 38-22 and 22 last year, 11-13 and 13 in the conference, and we eighth place last season, and they ended up losing to Stanford in the regionals. They signed, The signing class was ranked number one in the country, though. As they got in the circle, they graduated Elizabeth Hightower, Riley uh, trail kick and Lexi Delbury transferred to Louisville. The speedy center fielder Kendra Falvey is as good as she's been. According to Tim Walton, she's better in all parts of her game. She hit 403, 70, uh, with a team leading 75 hits and stole 27 bases in 30 attempts last year. Seniors Avery Goals, Katie Kistler, and Emily Wilkie bring valuable experience back to the lineup. And they've got 11 new players on this. This will be the last thing that we have here. They got 11 new players on this roster, seven freshmen and four transfers. Wow. So that's that's making up a big chunk of that roster. But one, in, or no, two in particular that I want to talk about before we move on is they did bring in Jocelyn Erickson from Oklahoma, so that'll be a big piece. She is a utility player. She's She looks to be playing catcher for the majority of this year, according to, what Tim, according to the needs that Tim Walton has said in pressers. And also Corby Otis. Otis transferred from Louisville where she started all hundred and has started all hundred and eight career games for the Cardinals. She batted four fourteen last year, seven triples and scoring sixty three runs. Uh, the Colorado native who is also studying for her MCAT test will provide even more speed to this Florida lineup having been successful twenty three of twenty four stolen base attempts. Also University of Virginia grad student Mackenzie Wooten and a junior Old Miss transfer Brooke Barnard round out the Florida transfers. Wow. So your overall opinion about what you think, uh, being that they've got so many new faces on this roster, do you think they have fallen behind a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. But we shall see. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. You're right. I mean, it, it, it's it's all hearsay now, and it, you try to form an opinion about what's 
what's been going on in their fall. I mean, you see the big numbers, but now you want to like literally see it put to, uh, put to test against somebody else, right. N- not your own pitchers, <laughs> not your own hitters. You know. Mm-hmm. Let's run through Alabama real quickly. Alabama will open the year in the Buzz Classic in Atlanta. February 8th through the 10th with Villanova, Longwood, and Georgia Tech. Alabama's success from the Patrick Murphy era has been exceptional and is coming off his 14th appearance in the Women's College World Series. The Tide returns 15 starters, but noticeable absentee is Montana Fouts, one of the most successful pitchers in college softball in her Tide career. Ranked 11th in the nation in preseason polls. Oklahoma will be going for the third national championship and is a clear preseason number one. In addition, Alabama has is right there in the pack with a lot of other SEC teams. We mentioned Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M. The SEC's nine ranked teams follows Pac-12 with five. Now with uh, but with Fouts gone, we'll go with we'll start with the pitchers first. Top returning pitchers are senior right-hander Jada. Uh, no, excuse me, Jayla Torrance, who finished strong in 2023, 9-3 with a 208 ERA. Uh, senior left-hander Lauren uh, Esman, all-around player, is available to pitch. Bama also brought in freshman right-hander Jocelyn Brisky and sophomore Aaliyah Johnson, who played last year at LSU. So your your thoughts on what, what Patrick Murphy's got to do to shore up his pitching room to be sure that Alabama will be Alabama this year? Oh, that's a hard question. You know, I mean, he's just going to have to stay on them. Yeah. They're going to have to take, you know, a different route. Not all of them can be like Fouts, and they can't expect any of their pitchers that are there, that's been there, coming in to be like Fouts. You know, that's going to be oh, some hard shoes to fill, and it's just going to really, I would love to just see how the first game's going to go with the new pitchers in there, see how they grow, because obviously they're going to have to grow and learn, and, you know, it's going to be a different different scenario now that Fouts is gone, because she was really the only thing that was stopping any team from beating them, really, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but we'll see. I know Alabama's pitching was the one big thing that really held people at bay. I know their offense was pretty much on par with every other team. So when it was, it was really their pitching is what made them such a formidable force. Right. Position players that are back for the Tide, including All-American infielder Bailey Dowling. You've got All-SEC outfielder Jenna Johnson, utility player Emma Broadfoot, junior infielder Kaylee Hygland, and last and last year regulars outfielder Kristen White, shortstop Henley uh, Callahan, outfielder Larissa Pruitt. Other in, others include sophomore infielder Abby uh, Dust Scherber, senior outfielder Cat Grill, and senior outfielder M.K. Gidley. Other newcomers include sophomore catcher Riley Valentine by way of Texas A&M, sophomore outfielder Kenley Pate from Samford, junior in junior utility player Kendall Clark, and freshman outfielder Lauren Johnson, sister of Bama's Jenner Johnson. Very quickly, we'll run through some notable mentions, small points on each end. Oklahoma State. We'll say what what exactly you think Oklahoma State will do will be having this year. They are well from what I've read are falling behind like kinda of like Florida. I think they're I, I agree with that. I think they're falling behind, especially with their, you know, ace pitcher leaving. I will be interested to see how this is gonna go for them this year. 
Absolutely. And if you look at the lineup from their final game last season versus Tennessee in the World Series, Cowgirls lost six of their nine starters. And, of course, their All-American ace, Maxwell, they do return if Kilfoyle and Acock to pitch. They'll probably hit well but severely lack power. Uh, decent infield but not, uh, but not much offense. In the outfield, if they make it to OKC, it might very well be Coach Kenny Kajuski's best coaching job to date. Looking at Duke, I know you mentioned you had some sparing knowledge on Duke. I know you said that you've – didn't you tell me you had a friend that played there? Yes, I have – she pitches. I know this sounds so bad, but I cannot remember her name right now. (laughs) All this is kind of running through my brain. (laughs) Um, but yeah, she pitches there. She's actually, um, if she starts, or either she's a second starter, so she's right there with them. She does really mm-hmm. well. Um, God, I cannot remember her name right now. But yeah, I played. I played summer ball with her for the longest time, and it's all good. She homes it in there. You know, Duke. The only notes I really have on Duke is that they made an incredible run to the Super Regionals, despite having that young roster. Uh, the team also ran into Nigel Kennedy, the hottest pitcher in the tournament, not named Jordy Ball. So that was most likely the reason that they didn't make it. Oh, yeah. Uh, someone will have to step up and fill the huge hole left by Peyton St. George, though. Yes. Yeah. All, and also, lastly, we'll look at Texas. Not much to say here because I, don't, I couldn't find much on Texas, but they're always fun to watch. A Mike White-led squad should never be counted out of the race. They are a young team. They were a young team last year. The Texas Longhorns had some big wins to get to the Super Regionals before falling out to the Volunteers. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to be domination. Uh, I don't think they'll be dominating anybody this year. But like I said, in, the, in B- Big 12 softball is always fun. Between them, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, those were the big three to really, really, uh, really watch out for. I know Baylor seems to be on the up and up as well, but you can't you can't ever really uh, count out Texas because of Mike White's coaching ability, his recruiting ability as well. He's just a well liked man, and people want to play for him. Right, yeah, you're right. Now, last but not least, we finally gotten here our women's college world series. Our women's college world series predictions. All right, who gets there? Uh, I mean, you know, Oklahoma's going to get there. I think Florida State's going to get there. I think Texas is going to get there. Alabama's going to get there. Mm. You know, I mean, Stanford's going to get there. And other than that, I don't know who's just going to stick out. All right, hold on. I'm typing it in as you say it. I got, I got, uh, I got Oklahoma, Florida State, Alabama. Who else did you say? I said Stanford. Stanford. Okay. Do you get Texas? Oh, you, I see, you're actually going with Texas. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Texas. They're okay. a good program. And, you know, Alabama's going to get there. I got Alabama. I got uh, Oklahoma, Florida State, Alabama, Stanford, Texas. You got six, seven, and eight to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clemson's going to get there. Clemson, they're going to get there this year. And then I'm going to throw it out there. I think Washington's going to get there again this year. Washington. I think they're going to get there. Then, you know, I mean, you always got Georgia. They're probably going to make a regional, but mm-hmm. I'd have to see how they play first. Oh, you still got the eighth spot to go. I mean, you got Oklahoma, Florida State, Alabama, Stanford, Texas, Clemson, Washington, 
Put George in there. Yeah, George. I'll, I'll give him a shot. You know, I, I, I got to agree on the part of, like, you've got to pick them until they don't get there. And so I, I, you got to go with Oklahoma first. They're most likely going to be the number one seed. Right. And they're going to hold that number one seed for how, who knows how long. Yeah, who knows? And I'm going to go Oklahoma. I'm going to go Stanford. I mean, I don't see anybody stopping Nigeri Kennedy this year. Not unless that she absolutely blows it or hurts herself and can't pitch this year. I gotta go. I, I'm really feeling that 2021 magic coming back. I know because in 2021 it was the it was the big three game series with Florida and Georgia. It, it mm-hmm. came it came down to the world's largest cocktail party, softball style, to get to Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. So I'm really feeling the magic here. I think Georgia will make it in. Maybe they can get past the hump of losing in their own super regional. In that inside Athens baseball team's bad about that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to say. Hard to say. I mean, Lonnie Alameda go with her until she blows it. Can't go wrong with the can't go wrong with the Knowles. I'm gonna ride with Clemson as my as my dark horse single digits in existence i mean it's been it's amazing how quickly they become such a good program it is it is crazy i mean you can't you you honestly can't you you can't beat that type of production uh i'm gonna go tennessee i mean i think kiki malloy is gonna be a big factor and i think uh peyton gottshaw will pick up where uh, actually, Rogers left off because I mean that they were a dynamic one too. I think Tennessee gets there on the back of Kiki Malloy. No, don't let that get past you. I think Kiki Malloy would will actually be putting in a lot of work offensively. I mean, if we can't discount her defensively too. Heck of a center fielder. I mean, I know what that's her her defense is probably one one reason why people think she got snubbed as well because being such a great center fielder. I mean. Why not take that into account as well? Right. So I got seven and eight to go. Uh, I got Oklahoma, Stanford, Georgia, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee. Hey, oh, you got to go with the classic. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say UCLA gets in, and that and that they don't blow it I, because I think Meyer Brady. I think they got the such high praise for the newcomers coming in this year, the transfers and the freshmen. I think. Lisa Fernandez, I mean, for those that don't know who Lisa Fernandez is, go look her up. I mean, go look at Kelly Perez and Lisa Fernandez in, in their in their heyday as softball player. You couldn't get any better than those two women. Right, yeah. So I think with those with those two women really working with those pitchers and Maya Brady being that leadership with the hitters as well, I mean, you can't beat it. It's, it's UCLA. They're one of the blue bloods, and, and they're going to be – they're honestly going to be there until they completely fall off a cliff. I got one more to go. Uh, you know, I hate to make it so similar, but, you know, you can't go wrong with Washington. That thing's running long, and I got to make a decision. Yeah, got to go with the Huskies. I mean... 
you can't beat them. If you can't beat them, join them. I mean, that, and, and they actually had to put in, uh, talking about the Huskies, too, you, you, if you look at the uh, the work they had to put in to get there last year, I know it was on the backs of Bailey Klingler and of basically all of their other stars as well. Right. You know, I will say that uh, also watch out for Louisiana University. They almost upset you. Uh, they almost upset LSU inside of their own regional as well. Oh, wow. So I'll say I'm putting in Washington, even though they seem to, uh, they have lost. Yeah. So I've lost some big guys. I started to go with Louisiana. So I will say that Washington just a hair over uh, over Louisiana in my pick. Hope I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah. But that'll do it for this episode, guys. If you, if you stuck with us, you're a true softball fan. For sure. I'll, I'll keep you all posted with more updates online. So be sure to like and share with everyone you know. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you already haven't. Don't be afraid to share some feedback either. I look forward to hearing from y'all. So enjoy the upcoming softball season, guys, and y'all take care.